Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. This week on Vitality Radio, we're going to talk about IBD, that's inflammatory bowel disease, and we're going to talk about what a leading cause of IBD in seniors may be. That's ahead on Vitality Radio today. I also will be talking about liver detoxification. Now, liver detoxification is a little controversial. I'm going to talk about what the controversy is, why I think it matters, and why I believe it is an excellent way to protect your health. That'll be in the second half of the show. Vitality Radio, of course, is always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 107 South, 500 West. You can call us with any questions you have about the show or anything else that has to do with your health at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Also, check us out on vitalitynutrition.com. Vitalitynutrition.com is there for you for anything that you need when it comes to uh, placing orders with Vitality Nutrition, learning more about uh, what we do and and what we sell and all that kind of stuff. It's right there at Vitalitynutrition.com. And of course, if you have questions about anything you see on the website, you can always still call us at that 801-292-6662 number, and we'll walk you right through it. Okay, without further ado... Let's jump right in to the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right. So according to Newsmax, there is a study about to be released that states that the increase in Crohn's and colitis among seniors may be linked to antibiotic use. Now, you may recall last week I talked about antibiotic use and the issues, or actually, sorry, two weeks ago, the issues with excessive antibiotic use and leading to chronic infections with the urinary tract. Uh, Today, we have more evidence that excessive antibiotic use is a problem. Let's go ahead and read right through this article that was just released last week. The more antibiotics that seniors take, the greater risk there of inflammatory bowel disease, it says. Now, inflammatory bowel disease includes ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, but there are a few others as well. These are chronic considered incurable by modern medicine and can lead to 
ultimately death, uh, but they also lead to a very, very challenged uh, state of physical health up until that point. Nobody that has ever experienced IBD or has known or cared for someone who has experienced IBD would ever wish it on anyone. This is a tough, tough ailment, uh, and we want to avoid it at all costs. So what do antibiotics have to do with that? The findings could help explain some of the increase in Crohn's disease, it says, um, and ulcerative colitis among older adults, uh, according to the authors. In older adults, we think that environmental factors are more important than genetics, said lead researcher Dr. Adam Fay. He's an assistant professor of medicine and and population health at NYU Grossman School of Medicine in New York. When you look at younger patients with new diagnoses of Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, there's generally a strong family history, but that is not the case in older adults. So it's really something in the environment that is triggering it, Faye said in a news release. For the study, Faye and his colleagues analyzed prescribing records for 2.3 million people uh, age 60 and older in Denmark who were newly diagnosed with IBD from 2000 to 2018. The investigators found a link between any antibiotic use, any antibiotic use, and higher rates of IBD, and the risk rose significantly with each course of antibiotics. So let's look at these numbers. Compared to those with no antibiotic use in the previous five years, one course of antibiotics was associated with a 27% higher risk of a new IBD diagnosis, two courses with a 55% higher risk, three courses, 67% higher, four courses, 96% higher risk, and five courses of antibiotics in the last five years led to a 236% higher risk according to the researchers. So what does this mean? Well, to me, it means that antibiotics have a cumulative effect. One course of antibiotics does wreck a certain percentage of our microbiome. We know that. That's been admitted by everybody. And it is a concern because the microbiome is your primary source of immune defense, among other things. Mental health things play a major role with uh, the gut as well. So if you deal with anxiety, depression, you know, those types of issues, the microbiome is a major, major factor in those areas as well. So the question is, what is actually happening here? Because I think historically people have thought, well, I'm going to go on an antibiotic and it, it will potentially weaken my immune system for a while or, or mess up my gut. Maybe I'll get some diarrhea or some cramping or bloating or whatever, but I'll eat some yogurt. Maybe I'll take a probiotic for a few weeks and, and I'll be fine. Well, what we've learned over the last 10 years or so in the human microbiome uh, studies that have been going on is that that really just isn't the case. First off, yogurt is never going to be enough to even come close to counteracting what a antibiotic will do. Now, are the bacteria in yogurt helpful or kefir or sauerkraut or whatever? Yeah, for sure. They're helpful. Don't avoid them. Uh, that's a useful tool. But they aren't strong enough to rebuild and strengthen what has been wiped out by an antibiotic. Keep in mind that amoxicillin, just a basic 10-day dose of amoxicillin, can actually take about 50% of your microbiome, your good bacteria, cut it right in half. That's a big deal. Now, these are living, breathing organisms. They do rebuild and recover on their own to some degree. But what we've learned 
in the most recent studies that have been done is we don't rebuild all the way without doing some sort of therapy to get our gut back where it needs to be. And we've also learned that most probiotics aren't strong enough or aren't the right type of probiotics to get us there. So I'll talk about that at the end, but let's go ahead and jump back into this study. It said those who had taken antibiotics within the previous one or two years had the highest rates of new IBD diagnoses, but the risk remained elevated for those who took the drugs in the previous two to five years, the study found. So you see, while your recent history is important, it's important also to recognize that this study went back five years and found still a substantial increased risk. This is once again indicative of the cumulative long-term effect of antibiotics, particularly stacked on top of each other. In other words, you get an infection, you get an antibiotic six months later, a year later, you get another infection, you get another antibiotic, and so on and so forth. I suspect had they gone back 10 years or 15 or 20, they still would have seen an increased risk, although probably would have been smaller and smaller the further they went back with the study. Now, this is interesting to me as well. The increased risk of IBD was found with all types of antibiotics except for just one. There was one antibiotic that didn't seem to increase risk, and that was one that is commonly prescribed for urinary tract infections. Every other antibiotic in the study had an impact in a negative way. Antibiotics that were typically prescribed for gastrointestinal infections, so that would be things like uh, uh, colitis or... um, uh, oh, heavens, I just lost it. Uh, colitis or diverticulitis, diverticulosis, those types of things. Those type of antibiotics uh, were the most likely to be associated with a new IBD diagnosis, which makes sense since they're actually antibiotics targeting things in the gut. The findings show that doctors should consider IBD when seeing older adults with new gastrointestinal symptoms, especially if they have a history of antibiotic use. But here's the question I have. When was the last time you went into your doctor and received an antibiotic and the doctor asked, what was the last antibiotic you were on? What was it for? When did, it, when did you take it? And what's your most recent history with antibiotics? Are they even considering that? My experience has been personally, and I don't see a lot of doctors, but I've never, ever had a doctor who prescribed an antibiotic ask me what my latest antibiotic was prior to that one. And of course, I don't take those prescriptions anyway because I find ways to take care of my health in other ways. But ask yourself that question. Is your doctor actually paying attention to your antibiotic history? According to this study, they absolutely should be. The study also highlights the need for caution uh, or cautious use of antibiotics to prevent IBD and antibiotic resistance. Antibiotic stewardship is important, but avoiding antibiotics at all costs is not the right answer, according to Dr. Fay. If you're not sure what you are treating, I would be cautious. If patients were coming in with clear infections and they need antibiotics, they should not be withheld because of these findings. So then wisdom is the key, according to this doctor, and I would absolutely agree with that. While I will say that he and I would probably disagree on how often an antibiotic actually ought to be prescribed, I believe personally that for the most part, they should be reserved for life-threatening ailments. Most of the things that people get antibiotics for, they'll recover from okay without the antibiotic. I am not a doctor and I am not your doctor, and so it's not my right or privilege to actually make those recommendations one way or the other for you. Uh, What I am is hopefully a resource of 
some alternative information to help you obtain optimal wellness. So then what do you do if you're trying to avoid antibiotics? Well, the first thing is the most obvious, and that is get your health where it needs to be so that your immune system does the battling for you. Now, I talked a lot about this during COVID, and we found out during COVID that vitamin D, for instance, was a huge factor in fighting off uh, illness, particularly viral infections, and that it was perhaps the biggest factor besides comorbidities that would indicate whether or not somebody actually died from COVID. So we do know that taking care of our own immune system is a major priority. So how do we do that when it comes to uh, our gut health and our overall immune response to things that would typically end up in a course of antibiotics if we were to get an infection? Well, that's actually a very, very complex question, but it's a relatively simple answer. The answer is in the gut. We always have to start there. We always have to look at what's going on in the gut and what the issues are in the gut. And the first question you should ask is the same question that I believe your doctor should be asking. And that is, what is my antibiotic history? So in my case, I'm 49 years old. I'll be 50 in August. I've had two antibiotics in my life both of which were during surgical procedures, little outpatient surgical procedures, where I didn't have a choice. The doctor would not perform the surgery without the antibiotic as a prophylactic measure. Now, I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm, I didn't get infected uh, after uh, incisions were made. So in that way, the antibiotics maybe helped. Uh, maybe I wouldn't have gotten infected anyway, but it doesn't matter. I have had two in my life, and yet I've had lots of different infections. It's not like I've skated through life totally well. If I had skated through life totally well, I wouldn't have needed a couple of surgical procedures, right? So then the question is this, how do you avoid antibiotics if you're getting infections? And so so I guess really it's two things. Let's start with the first thing that I mentioned, then we'll go to the second thing. The first thing is, how do you avoid infections in the first place? Get your immune system up. So this is what I recommend. Ask yourself the question, what's your antibiotic history? Particularly, what was your antibiotic history as a young child? The first four years of life play a major role in your gut microbiome. So that's really, really important to remember. So what did that look like? Did you have antibiotics for strep throat or ear infections or, you know, eye infections or whatever it is as you were growing up? And then what is the most recent uh, situation with your antibiotics, the last five, 10 years or so? If you've been on an antibiotic in the last five or 10 years, or if you were on antibiotics during the first four years of life, then I believe the most wise thing to do is to preventatively um, even if you're not currently experiencing an infection or illness or whatever, get your gut health back up by building back up that good microbiome. And the best way I've seen to do that is with what are called spore-forming probiotics. You've maybe heard me talk about these before. I hope I don't sound like a broken record, but it's such a critical aspect of our health that I'm going to continue to talk about it because people need to know this information. So spore-forming probiotics play the biggest role in really rebuilding and recolonizing the gut and preventing these chronic infections down the road. If you've experienced chronic sinus infections, urinary tract infections, ear infections, eye infections, uh, strep, chronic bronchitis, pneumonia, 
pick the thing that you would potentially be given an antibiotic for. What we know now, and this is wasn't news to me, but now we're actually seeing some really good studies being done, is that the more antibiotics you have, the more likely you are to end up with chronic infections. And the reason for that is because your immune system is simply not strong enough, robust enough, comprehensive enough in terms of its scope to fight all of these things off for you. So you end up with a weak spot, uh, whether that's your urinary tract or your sinuses or your lungs or whatever. And each time something floats by, you're more likely to get it because your body's natural defenses aren't there like they should be. So what I recommend is a probiotic called Precision Probiotic Vital Spores. I love this product. I've seen such great results with the spores that are in the Precision Probiotic that I am just have as much faith in it as anything I ever talk about on the radio. So Precision Probiotic is a one-a-day formula. It's very, very comprehensive. It's a probiotic that does not require refrigeration. Uh, it's incredibly stable. It gets all the way down to the colon, and it actually repopulates the gut the way that it should be. Here's the trick. While 10 days on amoxicillin can knock 50% of your good guys out, your body will start to rebuild those immediately because they're living, breathing organisms and they do grow and reproduce. But it takes a lot longer to get your body back to where it was than it does to wipe out the good guys. So if you're dealing with any kind of chronic infections, I recommend a minimum of six months. It sounds like a lot. It might be overkill, frankly. We don't have... We do have good data, but we don't have a ton of it uh, showing how long it actually takes to rebuild things. And the biggest mystery box there is you. You know, what is your actual picture when it comes to your microbiome? And your typical blood test, you know, isn't going to show that. So you have to kind of assume based on your history what type of hole you might be in that you're trying to dig yourself out of. I recommend six months. You will not hurt yourself with probiotics. So I recommend six months, one capsule a day. Maybe it's more than you need, but it seems to be, in my experience over the last 15 years or so, or, or so working with spore-forming probiotics, that that's what it takes to really get people rebuilt uh, and, and, and to the point where they're not getting these recurring infections anymore. If you don't have recurring infections, if you're just looking at preventative maintenance, I think three months is a great way to go with the precision probiotic. And then do you need to take it daily after that or annually, or, or what do you do to keep your gut up? Well, if you go on an antibiotic, I recommend doing another six months. Anytime you're on an antibiotic, do six more months, get yourself back where you should be so that you don't have to, excuse me, so you don't experience that recurring infection. But short of antibiotics, we know that we have antibiotics in our food supply. Uh, we have other things that are attacking our gut microbiome. So personally, I take a bottle twice a year, whether I need it or not. It's just a preventative maintenance thing. Every six months, I take 30 days worth of precision probiotic. You can do it that way, or if you want, you can do a couple of capsules a week. Uh, that seems to work very, very well also. So, you know, uh, take one every Saturday and Sunday or something like that just to top off the reserve of the good bacteria in the gut. So the first thing is rebuild, rebuild, 
rebuild. That's critical. The second thing is, what if you get an infection? What do you do? Do you run to the doctor and get an antibiotic? Well, again, I'm not your doctor. I have to be very, very clear on this. It is not my job to prescribe or diagnose anything, and uh, I don't do that here. So I will tell you what I do and what I suggest. There are tons of excellent resources online and of course, you have a great resource at Vitality Nutrition. We're happy to answer questions for you as well. You can also ask uh, the team at Sunshine Health Foods in Cedar, if that's where you're at, and make sure that they uh, that you ask you know these questions in terms of what can I do naturally to boost my immune system to fight off infection, things like that. Now. If it's a urinary tract infection thing, I've talked about D-mannose. If you don't know about D-mannose, if you haven't heard me talk about that, go back to the podcast and check out my episodes on D-mannose and urinary tract infections because it is as effective or more effective than any antibiotic according to the clinical studies that have been done. For ear and sinus and eye infections, things like that, colloidal silver has a long traditional use, and I've used it myself with excellent results. Um vitamin C and echinacea and garlic and oregano. These are all natural antibiotics that are very easy on the gut, easy on the good microbiome, and hard on the bad guys and can help to fight off infections as well. So there are many things that you can do short of antibiotics. Again, I've lived 49 years. My my two youngest children uh, are 9 and 12. They've never been on an antibiotic, and the goal is to never have to do one, and it's a, it's a realistic goal. People seem shocked when I say I'm, I'm 50 years old almost, and I've, I've only ever been on two uh, for these uh, surgical procedures. I've never actually taken antibiotic pills from a doctor. Well, it's just know-how. It's educating yourself and learning what to do and what not to do. And if you have more questions on any of that, again, you just give us a call at Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662, or check out vitalitynutrition.com, or talk to our good friends at Sunshine Health Foods in Cedar City, and we'll be happy to help you out. Okay, I've got to cut to a break. When I come back, I'm going to talk about the controversy of liver detoxification. Is it actually helpful? Is it good for you? Is it dangerous? What does WebMD have to say about it? And what do I have to say about it? We'll go through all of that when I return. If you want to hear more information, please join us on the podcast, Vitality Radio Podcast, on all the major podcast apps. We're just about ready to start launching it on YouTube as well as Rumble and various other places. It'll be hard not to be able to find it because we're everywhere. And I do, on average, about two to two and a half hours of podcasting every week, uh, whereas in Cedar, you're getting half an hour. In Salt Lake, you're getting just an hour uh, if you're listening on the radio. So please check it out. The Vitality Radio podcast is where you can get even more great information. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm going to be back on the flip side talking about liver detoxification I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. 
1994, Dr. Louis Ignaro won the Nobel Prize for Medicine when he discovered how nitric oxide works in the human body. Ever since, more phenomenal research has been done, proving time and time again that nitric oxide is a true key to cardiovascular wellness. Nitric oxide increases blood flow, thereby reducing pressure. This makes a huge difference in a variety of ways. The increase in blood flow provides more energy and oxygen to the muscle tissue, which is vital for your workout. This also improves the muscle pump for both exercise and sexual performance. Brand New Day has followed the research of Dr. Ignaro and many others and developed a formula based on the science of nitric oxide and blood flow. This amazing formula is called NO Cardio Boost and the results that are reported are fantastic. Just one scoop a day in water will enhance nitric oxide and all of the benefits that come with it. Try NO Cardio Boost today. NO Cardio Boost is available at VitalityNutrition.com. Use promo code VitalityRadio for $5 off your first order or call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I'm excited to bring you the second half of the show where we're going to talk all about your liver. I once wrote a rewrote, I guess, lyrics to the song by uh, Paul Simon, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. I renamed it 50 Ways to Love Your Liver. Um, I was actually uh, uh, Robert Cass, Dr. Robert Cass inspired that. But uh, it's actually sort of a funny thing because there are a lot of things that our liver does for us. And yet, how often do we think about the things that we could do for our liver? Uh, reminds me of uh, the John F. Kennedy quote, you know, ask not what your liver can do for you. So the liver is this critical organ. It's a powerhouse, an absolute juggernaut of our health. And when it's not functioning optimally, our health does not function optimally either. So it's an important subject. I want to talk about it in some detail. There is a little bit of controversy about it. And I'm going to go into that as well in terms of, you know, what do we actually do to detox the liver? And is there even such a thing as anything that works to detoxify the liver? So we'll talk about all that in just a moment. Uh, before we get there, Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition in Bountiful at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. And also vitalitynutrition.com, where you can, no matter where you're at, you can access us there. You can ask us questions on the site. Um, you can purchase things that you hear about on the show. Uh, whatever you want to do, you can either call us or you can jump online. We are here to serve you. Vitality Nutrition will be 45 years old in August. The same month I turned 50 years old, so it's a big year for both of us. And I'll tell you, we couldn't do it without people like you. Okay, let's jump into this liver thing because I think it's really, really important. Um, and actually, you know what? I'm going to step back and I'm going to make one more mention that's also very important. Michelle is a wonderful, wonderful friend of mine who is working with us at Vitality, uh, Michelle Golightly. She is an absolute um, 
just one of the most awesome people I've ever met, and she's a breathwork guru. She's going to be doing a breathwork workshop, I guess you could call it, or a breathwork class. It's two hours from 6 to 8 p.m. this coming Wednesday, June 1st, at Vitality Nutrition. Now, the last time we announced this on the radio, we filled the room completely and actually had to turn away a couple of people. So if you want in, we have room for about 15 people or so. Um, If you want in, we would love to have you. We already have several people signed up, but it is not full as of me recording this show. So call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662 if you'd like to sign up for Michelle's Breathwork uh, workshop. Uh, She is charging $25 for the two hours. And trust me on this, it is worth your time and your money. Really, really powerful stuff. Okay, now into liver detox. So the brilliant writers at WebMD have this to say when you type in liver detox on their website. Doctors say liver detoxes aren't important for your health or how well your liver works. There's no proof that they help get rid of toxins after you've had too much unhealthy food or alcohol. Now, there's no study cited or doctor quoted. It's kind of one of those statements like, uh, you know, they say that, you know, doctors say that. Well, what doctors say that? And what did they say? And where's the study that says that there's no proof? Well, they don't list any of those. In fact, they contradict that line at the end of their article, but of course it's buried at the very bottom of the article. Another statement they make that I think is kind of hilarious, your overall health and your genes affect your liver. So do your diet, lifestyle, and environment. Liver detox programs don't treat damage or prevent disease. Now, this is important. I want you to understand this. I don't talk about it often enough. Back in 1994, there was something that was passed uh, in, through the legislature called DSHEA. You don't really necessarily need to know what that means, but it's Dietary Supplement um, Health and Education Act. DSHEA. It's been with us now for almost 40 years, or 30 years, sorry, 1994. And it, it was needed to keep supplements legal over the counter and to not turn them all into prescription drugs. So I'm grateful for it. It's a really, really good thing that we have it. That being said, there are some limitations to it. One of the things that DSHEA made, um, that, that turned into law, basically, is that a dietary supplement cannot treat a disease, even if we have evidence that it can treat a disease, even if there is actual clinical evidence showing that it can tr- tr- treat a disease or an illness. It legally cannot do so, according to the FDA. So whenever a statement is made like this, liver detox programs can't treat damage or prevent disease, well, that's legally true, but it's not necessarily true based on the research. So at Vitality Radio, as much as I possibly can, I want to make sure that you can understand kind of the legalese when it comes to this stuff that I've been dealing with, you know, really my whole life selling supplements for a living. It's important to understand that when I make a recommendation on a supplement, I am not claiming that it can treat or mitigate a disease uh, because legally they can't. They just can't. But there is evidence that will show that dietary supplements are more powerful than they are made out to be. 
including things like milk thistle, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Now, what you decide to do with that evidence and that information is up to you because you ultimately are the consumer. And again, I am not your doctor. So they go on in the article on WebMD to talk about a bunch of things that could possibly be problematic, and they warn against extreme diet changes or fasts. What they don't do is explore what natural detox detox options actually do. They do mention that milk thistle, turmeric, and dandelion may show some promise for detoxifying the liver, which I love because the entire article up until that point says that there's nothing you can do outside of diet or drinking less alcohol that can actually do anything to benefit your liver. So the, the article's pretty contradictory anyway. But even after that, uh, they say that you know more studies are needed. I find it amusing, we'll say, that uh, there are dozens of studies available on milk thistle and N-acetylcysteine, which is also known as NAC, green tea, and turmeric, among other herbs that show strong benefits in liver health. But if it's on WebMD and it's not a drug, then it always needs more research. Heck, I found one article on PubMed that showed a total of 16 double-blind placebo-controlled studies on milk thistle showing positive benefit on liver health. That's a quite a bit of research, especially considering it's a natural supplement that can't be trademarked or patented in some way. And yet we have 16 studies, at least, that we know of that show that milk thistle is beneficial to liver function. Now, it's important to keep in mind something here, and I think this is part of the confusion that people may have about liver detoxification. We have to understand that the liver itself is a phenomenal powerhouse of an organ, and generally it functions brilliantly, really on its own. But our livers in this day and age are subject to so much toxicity that I personally believe that I need to help mine out from time to time. Herbs and amino acids that help liver function are, I believe, a very useful tool, and I've used them personally to great benefit. But it's not like changing the filter in your car. It's more like supporting normal function. So when we say liver detox, or when you read about liver detoxification, what you should probably actually be thinking is liver support. We're helping the liver do what it naturally does anyway. We're just helping it be a little bit more efficient. It's not like we're going in there with a scrub brush and milk thistle acts like a you know squeegee or something and, and, and squeegees out any of the excess toxins. It's more about how these herbs and nutrients can actually just help the liver function at a higher level. That's really what we mean when we're talking about a liver detox, or at least what I mean. So personally, what I do is this. I do a liver detox at least twice a year, sometimes more. Um, If I feel like I've had significant exposure to something, Um, I talked in the first half of the show about a surgical procedure. I have a surgical procedure or even go to the dentist and have anesthesia, things like that. I'll, I'll add some Uh, liver detoxification herbs to my diet for a week or two after that, just to make sure things are flushing out, you know, as efficiently as they can, getting rid of that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with doing that if you're doing it with wisdom. And I also will do a full 30 days and sometimes more, but usually 30 days is sufficient of a good basic liver support formula every single 
uh, well, twice a year, about every six months uh, is how I do it. Now, the one that I currently want to tell you about, because I really think it's a great formula, it's very, it's simple, but it's well put together and it's got what I consider to probably be the most important three uh, ingredients for natural liver support. And that's NAC that I already mentioned, N-acetylcysteine, dandelion root, which is huge for your liver. It's fantastic stuff. And milk thistle. And this product is called Pura Tea. It's P-U-R-I and the capital T, Pura Tea, by a company called Life Seasons. These are the same people that brought you uh, NeuroQ from Dr. Bredesen. So it's a good company. They make good stuff. I like the Pura Tea formula a lot, actually. It's a really, really cool product. And we are doing a, a promotional thing on it at Vitality Nutrition uh, for the next couple of months, uh, probably running through June, I'd say, at uh, 20% off on the Pura Tea. So if you're interested in checking it out, go ahead and take a look. But before you decide if you want to do something to detoxify your liver, let's talk about toxins in the liver in the first place and how they impact your life. How do you actually tell that maybe you need to support your liver a little bit better? Well, if you think back to a time in your life when you felt the healthiest, how does your current state compare? If you don't feel as full of vitality, then it could be a sign that your liver needs some support or your diet and lifestyle need a general overhaul. Now, I looked at Mind Body Green for some of this information. Some of this information is my own as well. And I would say for the most part, Mind Body Green and I align on a lot of these things. So some of this is going to be quoted from their website, and it's a really uh, helpful and informative website. I like I like what they do. So here are the signs that your liver may need a little more support. You crave sugar often. You feel like you need more energy. Your bowel movements aren't as regular as you'd like them to be. Pollen isn't your friend during certain time of the year. In other words, uh, hay fever. You don't feel as healthy as you expect your nutrient-dense diet should make you feel. In other words, you think you're eating well, but you still don't feel that well. Your skin isn't clear or it feels irritated. You're sensitive to chemicals. You have concerns about body odor, or bad breath, or hygiene uh, products aren't cutting it. In other words, deodorant, mouthwash, things like that. You're feeling stressed or anxious. You're resistant to weight change when you're trying to optimize your body composition. You struggle with mood swings or you're dealing with gas and bloating. So, you know, run through that list. And if you're checking off a few of those things and you can do this safely, why not give your body a little bit of liver support and see what it does for you? I mean, that's largely my feeling about natural uh, remedies is that most of them, yes, there are things in nature that you can take that can be harmful, absolutely. But the herbs that are found in these liver detox formulas are generally recognized as safe, which is why they're on the market in the first place. And because of FDA regulations uh, on how they're manufactured, um, if you're getting a reputable, reputable company that is using the FDA certification of... Um, of uh, how things are produced, uh, then you're looking at a product that kind of worst case scenario typically is, isn't going to help you. But best case scenario is going to help you uh, it, to a noticeable degree and is going to be, you know, safe and, uh, and useful. So you don't have to worry about, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to take this liver detox and, you know, it could have this 
major side effect or whatever. Of course, you can always run any natural supplement that you want to try out by your doctor, by your pharmacist. Uh, It's always a good idea to take a look, especially with your pharmacist, I would say, if you're on prescription medications before you jump on an additional uh, supplement of any kind, uh, just to make sure that you're not uh, complicating anything or going to create any type of, uh, you know, contraindications. But short of that, a basic liver support supplement is simply that. It's just liver support and helping your body do a little bit better job of what it naturally does on its own. So what are some of the things that might be messing with your liver function? Well, one big one, and it's, a, and it's huge, and it's a big problem in this country, and that is excessive weight. If you're overweight, um, that plays a big role. Back in the day, our fat cells were thought of as static, but nothing could be farther from the truth. Indeed, excess adiposity, otherwise known as body fat, is linked to a wide range of issues with metabolic dysfunction, and the liver is not immune to these pathways, explains uh, Mind Body Green's Vice President of Scientific Affairs, Ashley Jordan Ferreira, uh, who's a PhD and a, and a uh, uh, registered diet, dietitian. Uh, she goes on to explain that the storage affinity for toxins in fat cells poses a real problem. And Dr. Hyman, who you may have heard of, he's done a lot of this uh, natural alternative uh, writing as well, says that most environmental chemicals like pesticides and plastics are stored in the fatty tissues, which of course the liver is the critical filter to get rid of things that are fat soluble. So to ensure optimal liver and overall well-being, prioritizing your body weight makes a big difference, and it it absolutely does. What about excessive sugar? Um, Eating too much sugar is a big problem because it actually can lead to issues with liver function overall. And so watching our sugar intake is a big deal. Another huge one, if you're one that consumes alcohol, alcohol is... Well, it's not the biggest one. You know, the leading cause of acute liver failure in America is actually Tylenol, not alcohol. But alcohol is number two. And daily alcohol consumption, especially without giving your body a break, is a big deal. Most experts recommend a minimum of two days a week where you don't consume any alcohol. And they recommend a maximum of one drink for women and two drinks for men per day because beyond that, we know there is significant potential damage that can be done, especially over time, in the liver. And then how about this one, exposure to toxins. I talk about this fairly regularly on Vitality uh, Radio, and it's one of my favorite topics because we do live in a very dirty world. It's the best way I know how to put it. Between the air pollution, the water pollution, um, the chemical toxins in our foods, the chemicals that we put on our bodies and in our bodies from a variety of different places, It's a toxic bath that we're swimming in on a regular basis. So things like pesticides and um, paint and plastics and heavy metals and aerosols and thermal paper, even like shopping receipts, these are all things that can get toxins into the body, either through the skin or through the mouth or nose. Uh, These are things that can slow down overall detoxification pathways, not just in your liver, but also the rest of your body, including the skin, the gut, the lungs, the spleen, the lymphatic system, and the kidneys. So avoiding these types of inputs whenever possible, which would mean things like you know, putting your food in glass instead of plastic, never microwaving food in plastic, 
um, of trying to drink water out of your stainless steel water bottle or glass bottle as opposed to plastic as well. Um, avoiding any artificial fragrances. So your scented candles, your scentsies, your uh, Glade plug-ins, your uh, Febreze sprays, Lysol, all of that type of stuff. Those things are very, very toxic and they're toxic and hold on in the fat cells, which bogs down overall the body's overall ability to detoxify those toxins. So we really want to avoid these unwanted compounds. And if you're curious about that, you know, you can Google on, um, there's a site called ewg.org. It's the Environmental Working Group. And you can actually look at all of your body care products on ewg.org and see how toxic they actually might be and find more natural, safe, healthier alternatives. So that's an option as well. It's a growing area of research because what we're finding is that these chemical toxins are very, very dangerous. Many of them are carcinogenic. The government, our EPA, has done a frankly horrifyingly bad job of actually uh, making sure these things are safe before they're released onto the market. What happens is that 20 or 30 years later, after a bunch of people get cancer or some other awful disease, then the uh, EPA says, oh, well, maybe we should restrict that particular ingredient. So it really behooves all of us to be aware ourselves and not to rely on our government agencies to actually protect us from these things. So those are kind of the big ones. Um, your exposure to toxins, sorry, your exposure to alcohol, excessive sugar, holding extra weight. And then I'll add one last thing, and that is your gut health. If your gut isn't all well, then your liver doesn't function as efficiently as it could either. And so in the first half of the show, of course, I talked about probiotics and particularly the precision probiotic vital spores. I do recommend, I, I told you then, I do that twice a year as well. Um, I don't do them at the same time. I don't think that it necessarily matters. You could do them at the same time. But basically about every few months, I'm either loading up on probiotics for a month or doing a liver uh, detox for a month. I also do a couple of other additional detoxes throughout the year and a few other things as well. But I think the liver is really the big key here. Unless you're constipated, if you're dealing with significant constipation, then you want to make sure you get the constipation handled first. And once you get the constipation handled, then work on detoxifying the liver because the liver itself does not have an outdoor. We have to remember that. The outdoor for the liver is primarily the bowel um, and also the kidneys and the bladder and the urinary tract as far as detoxification. So, then the question is, okay, so what do we actually know about detoxifying the liver? Well, first, I'm going to remind you, I'm, when I say detox, I really mean support. I mean, what are the things that we've found that actually support liver function? Well, one thing that we know does is glutathione. Now, glutathione is a, is a technically an amino acid. It's one of the most powerful antioxidants. It's actually considered the most powerful human endogenous antioxidant. And so it's a big deal. But supplementing glutathione is very, very difficult. There is a form of glutathione called Cetria that actually has some pretty good clinical trials on it that I've seen some good results with. If you want to take glutathione itself, Cetria glutathione is a really good option. Very, very powerful stuff. But you can also take NAC. Now, NAC came under a 
pretty significant crossfire because it was being utilized to great results uh, for COVID-19 by some people. And of course, we didn't want anything natural to help with COVID-19. So it uh, came under attack by the FDA and has actually been removed from most online stores. We actually, because of our credit card processor, can't sell NAC online, believe it or not, even though it's been on the market for 60 plus years. It's very, very safe. Um, it is what it is. It's the world we currently live in. Unfortunately, freedom ain't what it used to be, as they say. But regardless, uh, NAC is available at Vitality Nutrition in-store. You'll just have to call us uh, if you want to, to ask questions about that because you won't find it on vitalitynutrition.com. But NAC is a direct precursor to glutathione. It's very, very effective and efficient at making more glutathione in the body. And it has been sh it is shown to have very, very powerful HEPA protective um, hepatoprotective, sorry, uh, benefits, meaning it protects the liver very, very well. NAC also has the side benefits of not only being a powerful antioxidant, but is also actually really great for your connective tissue, hair, skin, and nails. Cysteine plays a major role in hair health, uh, for instance. And uh, N-acetylcysteine also has benefit in the uh, in the lungs. And so there's a lot of nice little benefits there. Dandelion root, you know, tis the season, right? We're in spring, a lot of dandelions all over the place and people's lawns and people out there spraying chemicals on their dandelions. I will tell you that dandelion is one of the health, most health-promoting herbs you can possibly use. The greens from the dandelion and the dandelion root are very, very good uh, for you. And if you don't like the idea of eating dandelions, well, you can get dandelion root in capsule or tea form as well. And it's also one of the main ingredients in this Pura tea formula that I was telling you about. And then milk thistle seed extract. You want one that has a high level of silymarin in it. Silymarin it seems to be the kind of the MVP chemical compound that's found in milk thistle. And I believe that milk thistle, NAC, and dandelion are really the, the big three for liver health and liver function, although there's a great argument to be made for artichoke leaves as well as for turmeric. So, uh, And artichoke, of course, and turmeric both can be added into your diet quite easily as well. So all of those are great, and you can definitely do detoxification uh, or, or assist your liver in its detoxification processes simply by what you eat. And adding dandelion greens to your salad, if you're willing to do that, is a fantastic option. Also, cruciferous vegetables. I can't emphasize this one enough, and I almost forgot to even mention it. Cruciferous vegetables play a major role. Broccoli, cauliflower, kale. These are all plants that are loaded with something called indole-3-carbonyl and also something known as DIM, which help with detoxifying the chemicals uh, that we find in our livers that are more challenging for the body to get out of the fat cells in the body. So if you want to do it simply, the simple thing is to look at this purity product, I think it's the easiest way to go. It's two capsules a day. Um, you do it for 30 days. And I think for most people doing that a couple times a year is probably sufficient. And, and it's a really, really simple and effective formula. I like that one a lot. The other simple things you can do, and maybe these sound less simple, 
is avoidance of alcohol, less alcohol and less sugar. Those are two major factors. Um, and also add into your diet cruciferous vegetables. About a half a cup a day is all it takes to do some really, really good work on uh, helping your body detoxify specific chemicals. These are the chemicals that are known as xenoestrogens. I talk about that quite regularly. It's I think it's a big, important thing. The xenoestrogen thing, uh, these are also fat-soluble compounds, chemicals that your body gets bogged down on and that the liver needs support with, and the cruciferous vegetables play a major role there. Also, make sure you're drinking enough water. That is important. You don't have to flood your body with water, but I recommend at least half your body weight in ounces per day and that that water have some level of electrolytes in it. I think that is the key to keeping things flowing through the lymph system, the liver, the kidneys, and so on. Okay, so that is basically what I've got for you on liver detoxification. If you're interested in the Purity product, it's available on vitalitynutrition.com. It'll be 20% off for you there as well as at Vitality Nutrition, the store. If you have more questions about other things that you can do, uh, if you want to learn more about NAC, uh, if you want to learn more about milk thistle, turmeric, any of those things, please give us a call. 801-292-6662 is how you reach us. That's 801-292-6662 at Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful. Like I said, we're going to turn 45 years old this August. It's crazy to me that that's the case, but it's exciting nonetheless. And it is because of great support from people like you supporting a small independent family business that we are still doing well. Spend your time and spend your money buying locally, buying small, finding independent businesses. They need your support. Trust me, I know it firsthand and I appreciate all the support that you've provided me over the years. Thank you so much for listening to Vitality Radio. If you want to hear more, jump on the podcast, vitalityradio.com. has all of the episodes and every podcast app you can imagine, including the Apple Podcast app, Spotify. And we will very soon be doing this as a video podcast on YouTube as well. So check out all those avenues. If you're so kind as to spend an extra little bit of time giving us a five-star review and a written uh, review on Apple uh, Podcasts, that really helps to get the word out on the show. And I would appreciate it very, very much. Thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. 
Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.